Welcome back to In Bed with Lisa. Today I have a guest whose name actually sounds like a song. She is Luna Matatas. Luna Matatas, a sex and pleasure educator all the way from Toronto. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I love talking about sex. I love talking about pleasure. It's going to be a good conversation. I have no doubt about it. So I'm going to start by telling everybody your bio, your amazing credentials. So you have over 10 years of experience in sexual health and wellness internationally and locally. And as we just discovered, Luna has been to Africa. She's spent time in Kenya. She's even been to Durban where I am right now, which is so exciting. Um, her playful approach to sexuality draws on the creativity confidence and communication skills we all need to fulfill our pleasure potentials. She teaches people how to build a better relationship to their bodies, practice empathy with their partner's insecurities and needs, and how to get curious about their erotic imagination. Luna's classes are trauma and equity informed and include pleasure topics like anal play, feminine dominance, and how to have a threesome. You are a total badass. Actually, I love your work. I'm so happy you're here, Luna. Could you tell us a little bit about you? Like, just briefly share your journey. How did you get into this work? Yeah, it, yeah. And thank you so much for celebrating my work. I, I was saying that it's so great because my work gets to reach people that are doing also this like like-minded vulnerable work around relationships and sexuality and we know that we live in a very censored world around sex education so platforms like yours are amazing for helping my work also connect to people who need it and you know back in the day before we had these kinds of things i, I was doing lots of uh, public health education so working internationally in kenya in other parts of eastern and southern africa and doing mainly HIV education, um, sexual, sexually transmitted infection kinds of prevention information. And so no matter where I was, I could be in a village in Kenya, I could be in a suburb in, you know, outside of Toronto, and people were concerned about pleasure. They wanted to know how to do the thing. So yes, tell me about what I should be worried about and afraid about and how to take care of my health. But we kind of remove pleasure as part of sexual wellness when we bring it into the public health realm. And so I ended up teaching many years later um, on the side of my public health job, I was teaching for these um, feminist po sex positive sex stores. So they were selling sex toys and creating education spaces. And the first class that I ever taught was how to have a threesome. And <laughs> so it's still one of the most popular classes that that's in my repertoire of like 30 classes. Um, but it really helped me tap into people, individuals, couples who were looking for skills in communication, erotic creativity, mm -hmm. keeping that spark alive, relating to their desires. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing, isn't it? That, like you say, pleasure is often taken out of the equation. But there is now evidence. We're finally seeing research to show that bringing pleasure into the equation actually enhances and and creates a comprehensive sexuality education. And it like does things like reduces the like it. What's the word? God, I'm getting to this time of day where my words are all going funny. But um, it's it makes people wait for their sexual debut. It does so much. It helps with consent. Bringing pleasure into the picture gives a more holistic, honest, human approach to sexuality, right? I totally so I love that you're doing that. Mm. So we would love to tap into your knowledge today, Luna. I would love to ask you, 
if we imagine that the listeners here today are busy, they are busy and stressed out, and they want to have more fun in bed, but things that you teach about, like anal sex and threesomes and erotic curiosity, like that take that sounds like it's gonna take a lot of time. <laughs> you can't just rush into threesomes, like yeah. Absolutely. So can you suggest some some quickish easy-ish ways that partners can connect intimately when they're short on time that might help them to create a foundation to explore those bigger things. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a lot of couples, because we're busy, we live together, we see each other all the time, there's a familiarity, we forget about the things that we really liked in the beginning of our relationships. So things like kissing and really long, deep kissing that maybe doesn't lead to sex. It doesn't go anywhere, but we make an effort to have a longer kiss. So some people like to do a five minute kiss before bed or before leaving in the morning or sometime throughout the day. That doesn't mean sex, doesn't imply sex, you're not having sex, but really about trying to create that desire and anticipation. Because so much of our dopamine is actually in the buildup towards things like orgasm or sexual pleasure. So if we can extend that buildup part, when you actually do decide to have sex, those feelings of desire and affirmation of pleasure and attraction from your partner, they're a little bit closer to the surface versus like we have to dig deep down after we've you know argued about dinner, watched, you know decided who's like putting the kids where, uh, talked about work. You know it, it kind of erodes that erotic connection. So even if you're someone who likes cuddles, then do a five minute cuddle with no screens, just like feeling each other's breath, connecting to skin. Some people really love that. Um, also giving massages, a five minute massage, that's not necessarily a sexual massage. Many of my clients that are, are wives or mothers or um, femme partners, they're afraid of asking for a massage because they think that it has to lead to sex. But if we can give and receive pleasure without it having a destination, we open up so many more possibilities. And I think the last thing is for people to start feeling themselves. So you got to feel cute in order to receive your partner's affirmation, affection, compliment. And that means working on your relationship to your own body, how you feel about your sexiness, independent of your partner's attraction to you. Oh my goodness, they are such great tips. I mean, the five minute kiss, that sounds so hot. (laughs) And indulgence, like because even if we, I can just imagine myself, for example, as a busy working mom, like I can find time for a quickie, like I can do that. But like sometimes kissing doesn't happen. Like it's just, you skip past that. But actually a five minute kiss, that's not long, but that is hot. For people that are into kissing, that's a that's like epic. I love that tip. Mm, so <laughs> so you, round, you rounded that off by talking about feeling sexy and feeling yourself. So how can we feel sexier? Because if we don't have a lot of time for self-care, and if we are, you know, when you finally catch a glimpse in the mirror and you think, oh, what is, what is going on? Like, I haven't been taking care of myself. I haven't been eating well. I haven't been hydrating. Like, what are some steps that we can take to actually make friends with our body so that we can feel sexier? Yeah, I, I love this question because I think so many of us get stuck in that sexy has to be like a look. 
And so our body has to look a certain way. And usually that way is very high, conventionally attractive beauty standards that we see on TV that only like 1% of us actually look like. So I think my body is the oldest, the biggest, the most scarred because age, right? So I'm at this, this stage where I'm actually having more pleasure now than I was before because I have less self-judgment. And so working on that self-judgment when it comes up. So when you think, oh, does my partner even find me sexy anymore? Do they find, do you find you sexy? You know, what, what is it about you that you think is, is attractive? And if there's nothing, then that's where we start. So there's got to be something that somebody, you can believe that somebody finds attractive. Is it your smile? Is it your sense of humor? Is it the way you're playful? Is it your hair? Is it, you know, a particular color yeah. that looks really good on you? Um, and I think that, that bringing in oh. sensual living. And so sensual living is that we feed our senses intentional pleasure. So that means buying yourself flowers. That means taking time to eat your food in front of you without screens, maybe lighting a candle, um, having a shower by candlelight. You got a shower anyways. Why not make it romantic for yourself and put on a five minute yeah. song or something like that? So feeding your senses when you're not even planning on having sex can really help you stay connected to your sexiness. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yes, I love especially like the multitasking kind of or layering pleasure and senses into things you're already doing. Like I love to suggest that people take their time with their coffee or their tea in the morning. Like you're already having it. You're already going to drink it. Why not sniff it first or tease yourself a little bit as you take that first sip? <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So when I read your bio, I mentioned empathy that came up inside of your bio. And I wanted to one, I wondered if you could talk about the importance of empathy in intimate relationships. And I think it's, this is especially important when you're a busy couple, when you've got so much going on, like we're mentioning, like just having that little bit of extra thought for each other can go a long way. But do you have any advice on that? Yeah, I am a big one that comes up with the couples that I do coaching with is often this mismatch of either how to have sex or when to have sex or desire. And mm -hmm. uh, when I read popular mainstream articles around it, it's always about mismatch desire. And I'm not 100% sure that's it. I actually think that um, it's about having this erotic empathy. And so understanding that pleasure is given and received differently between you and your partner. And um, so, for example, if my partner comes and says, hey, you know, are, are you in the mood for sex or starts doing sexy things? I might say, you know, I, I could be like, why don't you try and like get me in the mood? Let's see if we can like seduce my mind. You know, is there something that you can do that, you know, I like. And, and so knowing how we respond and what it takes to turn on ourselves, to turn on our arousal is really helpful and then communicating that to our partners. So the empathy part is in understanding we both might have a similar destination, but the ways that we get there, we have to clear the crud out of, you know, out of the way so that we can sink into this pleasure that we're co-creating. So that might mean it takes me longer to warm up than my partner. That might mean that we redefine what sex is. Maybe sex is oral. Maybe sex is just anal. Maybe sex is uh, a quickie oral. Excuse me. Um, 
And I think also thinking about the destination, does everybody have to orgasm? So how important is orgasm to you? It's very important to me. And I've definitely been with partners um, with men or people with penises who maybe it's not so important. Maybe you're on antidepressants, maybe you're on medication that makes it hard for you to orgasm, but you still wanna have connection, intimacy, fun, playfulness. You want a, a better sleep because of all the oxytocin in your body and the dopamine. So I think getting clearer on what is it exactly that you, or how would you describe your pleasure to your partner? You know, what would that look like, feel like? What would your uh, range of pleasure experiences be like? Amazing, yes. And, and when you can get clear on that, like what do you actually want from sex, whatever sex is? So help each other to get those things. So like you say, it doesn't have to mean orgasm. It can mean connection. It can mean just a release. It can mean a bit of time to express yourself in a certain way. And having empathy for having empathy for what we're dealing with in the moment, like you said, health concerns, lack of erection or lack of ability to experience orgasm. Like all of those things are real adult things that happen, but they don't need to stop us from getting what we want out of sex, whatever that is. <laughs> Expanding yes. the definition and then co-creating so that there's space for everybody to have that. That's amazing. You know, I, it also just brings to mind the idea of initiation and the fear of rejection. Because if you're able to be this honest, this kind of radically honest with each other to say, this is actually what I would like and this is how we could get there, then it takes away the pressure and then you're less likely to say no, right? Not that anybody has to do anything. Of course, consent is important. But if we can open up the definition of sex and the expectations, then it can really, it can, it can create a far more easeful experience for everybody. And that could be more tempting. <laughs> I agree. It's so much more seductive. It's so much more, there's more teasing, there's more flirting, yeah. and there's less pressure to perform in a particular way. All of these ideas and scripts around sex has to include erections. It has to include orgasm or penetration. Great if you like that and if you're in the mood for that. But if not, does that mean sex can't happen? And so when we take away that performance piece, we actually get more playful. And then it's more fun. You have more satisfaction in what you're doing. Absolutely. I love it. You take away the script. And not only does it include more tease, but it's also not predictable anymore. Like, who knows what might happen? <laughs> I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I love all it. Spontaneity, all parents want. That's where you get it. <laughs> you know, like... Exactly. That is where you get it. You just have to create space for it. And undo those definitions that we are all like so sticking to so rigidly. So now let's talk about people whose intimate lives have become routine, right? So people who are following that script, how can we introduce some more elements of adventure? So things like anal play, threesomes or feminine dominance, how can, how can couples start to dip a toe into that? Or if one person is interested, how can they bring their partner on board without making them feel overwhelmed or anxious or closing them down. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times when people want to share their fantasy with their partner, they're super excited. And so, you know, there's nerves, there's like, 
what are they going to think of me if once I tell them I want to do this thing? So instead of me coming home and saying, babe, can we do anal? We might have a conversation that's less obligatory. So it has a, a, a destination of curiosity. So I might say, hey, I've been thinking about my sexual desires. You know, can we chat about our fantasies? I'd love to learn more about yours and then schedule a time to do that. So that you're creating an intimate time. Maybe you're having a glass of wine or maybe you're, you're chilling on the couch and everybody's in bed. And that way there's a mutual curiosity. So I'm going to tell you something I'm interested in. You're going to give me feedback and appreciating that if you're the person asking for something or, or leading the discussion towards a particular fantasy, that it might be a no. It might mm -hmm. be a I need to think about this. I've never even thought about this. And you have to come with more than just the activity you want to do. So saying, mm -hmm. you know, I want to do the threesome. I want to do anal. That's so big. And it leaves so much more room for disappointment instead of saying, hey, I'm curious about spanking and I want to feel sort of naughty and I would like you to feel kind of authoritative. So talking about feelings and intentions helps clarify the fantasy and gives you more space for connection. Because if your partner is like, you know what, I don't want to be, I don't want to hurt you. And, and they think of like spanking as pain and you actually think of it as playfulness. If you haven't described your fantasy as a narrative, as a story, then it's just going to be about the activity. And that feels very porn. It just feels like one dimensional. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, one dimensional. And like you said, it can lead to misunderstandings because what I might think of when you say spanking might be completely different to what you mean. I, that really makes a lot of sense. And, and something like female dominance, for example, can be like, things, there's some things that are kind of taboo like that. Like, how can you how can you take a first step into that? So say that both partners are on board with female dominance, for example. What is the first step that they can take so that they can kind of see if this feels good without like going all in and like overdoing it and kind of freaking each other out and having to take 10 steps back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is what happens. It, like people want to enter things at a 10 and I get it. That's where I want to enter too. And usually we watch porn where things are very sensationalized, very extreme. And so we don't really have a picture of what the spectrum of dominance can look like. So mm -hmm. if you're starting with femdoming, I would think about if you're the femdom, think about, you know, how you want to feel, like what kind of dominant vibes are sexy for you. So think of when we say femdom, who did you picture? You know, picture an actress. It, you could picture someone from Greek mythology. You could picture a fictional char character and think about what you like about them. So is it that they are in a particular outfit? Is it that they convey a particular vibe or flavor? And then use that vibe or intention through activities that you already know how to do. So if you're giving oral to your partner, you're going to do it with a femdom way. So maybe they uh, they don't get to orgasm until you say they get to orgasm. Maybe you're going to tease them or edge them. Maybe you're going to tell them to sit on their hands so they feel a little bit like physically controlled. Maybe you blindfold them. So using activities that you're already comfortable with and just switching up who's doing the giving and receiving and why. Like what's the why behind 
behind it? Are you making them feel helpless? Do you want to make them feel like your toy? Do you want to make them feel a little bit afraid? Do you want to make them feel out of control? Amazing. So you don't have to get a strap on straight away and go straight into pegging. I would buy nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that is so good. So you can just change what you're already doing just switch it up slightly. Maybe you want to change your outfit or the way you do your makeup and maybe the language you're using with things you're already familiar with. Yes, absolutely. That is we're pivoting into a character and an alter yeah. ego. Mm -mm, that is so hot. I love it. <laughs> so I also wanted to ask you, what are some beginner-friendly exercises or activities that couples can use to tap into their erotic imagination or explore new fantasies? And when I thought of this question, I was really thinking of people who don't think that they have fantasies. Like when you said just now, let's have a conversation together where we explore together, we talk about kind of what our turn-ons are. But what if you think you don't have any? Like if your partner comes to you and says, I've got a fantasy, I wanna tell you, I wanna hear yours. And you're like, um. <laughs> like how can we tap into that? Yeah, yeah. So many people um, find that, especially if, if they watch a lot of porn, porn stimulates our brain in a different way than things like erotica or audio erotica or using our imagination or our spank bank, our, our memories from our, our erotic times. Um, so oftentimes it's not as, as vivid in, in our imaginations because we need the screen, we need the, the visuals. So if mm. your partner says, hey, I want to do this thing and I want to hear one of your fantasies, I think a, a fun activity as a couple to do is actually to go off and be curious. So go to an erotic story site, like Literotica is free. It's out there you can read stories you can write your own stories and just find anything you know find something that either makes you tingle makes you you know have a, a reaction find something that you think is sexy but you're not really sure why it's just kind of it's like you're curious about aliens and sex or something um and the beauty of, of erotica is that you can imagine beyond the limitations of human bodies right so we're mm -hmm. often playing with fantasies that are safe in erotica because they don't involve humans so you might not want to do the gangbang fantasy that you're reading about but it turns you on and you want to share that with your partner so doing a little mm -hmm. bit of research it's okay to get curious it's okay to take a spanking class it's okay to explore anal sex toys and say to your partner, hey, I, I'm kind of curious about this. I don't know why. I don't really know how to use them, but maybe we can do some learning together. So starting from a, a more naive perspective is a great place because who knows what's going to turn you on. Oh, I love that. So just like following your curiosities and your urges and your instincts, like there doesn't have to be a full-blown fantasy that you're ready to tell. Oh, well, first of all, in comes the Roman emperor. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but it can be more vague. I love that. And, you know, look, written erotica, through the genre listings to see what is there and, and what are you, what appeals to you? What do you want to go for? What do you want to read more of? That is a, a great way to just get started. Follow the tingles, follow the interest. Oh, that is great. <laughs> so, okay. So now let's say we have got something that we want to try. We've decided, yes, we're going to try a little bit of butt stuff maybe or something that's going to need a little bit more space and time and energy. Mm. How do you recommend that couples create that space or how do we make that space private and safe and like 
how do we carve that out in our lives, like logistically and, and in all of the ways? What do you suggest? Yeah. So I'm going to use the example of butt stuff. Um, so if you're curious about butt stuff with your partner, you would have to do, if you're the receiver, you're going to have to do some training of your own butt, which is going to take a little bit of time. And the training is not like squats. It's more about using sex toys like butt plugs to get your anus accustomed to taking penetration. So it involves a little bit of anal masturbation. So the way that a partner could support me is creating time for me to do that. So allowing me an hour of privacy while they take care of the home or the kids or other responsibilities or half an hour so that I can just have that time to play and it's a protected space for me. And maybe we don't do anything else that night. Maybe we, that's just my night. And then I'm working up towards Saturday where we're going to have our butt stuff date. So sometimes people are hesitant to schedule sex or schedule date nights because there's this feeling like it's forced, it takes away the spontaneity. I think some of that is true. And I think that real life is that we have to make the time for pleasure. And you can back some of that spontaneity by sexting throughout the week, by you know saying, here's the panties that I'm going to wear on Saturday, or here's the lube I bought for Saturday, or here's my butt plug. I played with it yesterday when you took the kids to the park or whatever, whatever is, is yes. happening. Um, and that can bring in, especially with the sex toys that are available today, there's many of them that are remote controlled or can be controlled through distance. So find things, again, about expanding that idea of what sex is so that you can create breadcrumbs to these bigger moments that require more time, more energy, more training. Um, people are looking for things like a threesome. That's a lot of emotional effort on dating apps or wherever you're looking. It's a lot of negotiating. It doesn't happen like it does on TV where three people are yeah. just going out, right? Like it's not, that's, maybe that's happening for some people, but for most of us, a lot of this is really planned and the planning can actually feel like seduction. If we make the planning fun, if we make it exciting for ourselves and for our partners, um, that can really remove a lot of those barriers that actually get in the way of someone getting turned on. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you say, these things do take planning often, but that can be a big part of it. The build up to knowing what you're going to do can actually make you so turned on that the morning of the thing that you're planning can be like an, an amazing session that was completely out of the scope of, of availability. <laughs> you never know. Because this, when you give yourself space to really explore these erotic curiosities and allow for all of those exciting hormones to build up, like that is when those early kind of honeymoon phase feelings come back because you're like this is unknown and it's a little bit edgy and risky and exciting and you're just like all of a sudden you're ripping each other's clothes off and you just that wasn't even it's not even Saturday night exactly <laughs> you got it yes yes so Luna speaking of that stuff <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of that stuff am I right that you have a podcast dedicated to that stuff Yes. <laughs> so we, I actually um, was a, a podcast host for this beautiful brand of butt stuff, sex toys, B-Vibe. And uh, we did two seasons of just anal sex 
podcast. So there's like 25 episodes or 24 episodes. Um, they're still up there. We're not currently doing any new seasons, but we were so shocked by how many people would tune in to an anal only podcast. <laughs> so we covered everything from poop to prostate play to, you know, eating butt to nutrition for butt stuff. Anal sex <laughs> everything (laughs) so if anyone's listening and they really got a butt curiosity well I just had to ask you that like you really had enough enough to talk about that is phenomenal I mean I actually pitched a season three that had like another 24 episodes so there was was so many topics that came from our (laughs) listeners that were just like brilliant like people were hungry for this space yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that you can have like a whole show dedicated to something like rimming, for example. I mean, there's really a lot to know. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> oh, that is a great resource. So it's still up there for anybody that wants to know. So Luna, you are also the amazing force behind some huge movements like Peg the Patriarchy, for example. Could you tell us a little bit more about kind of like those aspects of your work? Yeah, yeah. I am very much a creative. And so I like to make things. I'm crafty. I want to invent things. And uh, I created Peg the Patriarchy back in 2015. And it was trademarked in 2016, because it caught on. And I just actually put it on a shirt. And I was like, I'm gonna go to pride. And and so many people loved it. I started making shirts. Um, And so Peg the Patriarchy was for me about subversion. And so it's about taking this idea of pegging, which is reversing some of the normalized ways of having penetration where a person with a penis is doing the penetration, usually a man, and um, kind of switching it up because everyone has a butthole. Everyone can experience pleasure there. So challenging a lot of these ideas that patriarchy gives us around binaries, around this is sex, this is not sex, this is masculine, this is feminine, like all of that ridiculousness and actually pegging pegging that idea. So flipping it on its head and moving towards pleasure and equity instead. So whatever you want for your body yeah. is going to feel good for your body. What I want for my body is going to feel good for mine. Um, and actually it was about almost almost exactly two years ago to this week that um, Peg the Patriarchy blew up because um, an actress and Dior, Mm -hmm. uh, the brand, had stolen Peg the Patriarchy and took it to the Met Gala without me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I won the internet. So if you Google it, it will say that queer sex educator of color originally made (laughs) Peg the Patriarchy. But it was wild. It was so wild, um, you know, firstly, having like such great exposure to communities that I wouldn't have had exposure to. And then at the same time, being a small business, mm-hmm. I don't have no big lawyer to fight mm-hmm. Dior. Right. So it's like yeah. I relied on community and, and community yeah. came through. It was really great. That is amazing. I'm so glad. I'm so glad about that. And Luna, please tell us for anybody else who's listening, how can they find you if they don't know about you already? And how can they work with you? I know you have a whole host of workshops that everybody needs to check out, but please like give us a rundown. Where can they find you online? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on Instagram and all the social media platforms, I'm Luna Matadas. And so it's like you started off saying it's like Hakuna Matadas, but Luna Matadas. Um, so you can find me on there. And my website is lunamatadas.com where I have 35 plus on-demand classes. So you can take spanking, threesomes, BJs, eat pussy like a champ, 
anytime you want um, and you have lifetime viewing access when, when you grab them. And there's a bunch of other information on there that's also free on my blog, my YouTube channel. I love sharing sex ed stuff. So there, there's tons of um, information about communication and the language that you might use when you're talking about things like we talked about today. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much, Luna. You have shared your knowledge so generously. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to share this episode and hear everybody's responses and questions. And I'll send them all your way because you've got so much knowledge, especially on the bat. <laughs> so Don't tell my cool. mom, but yeah. <laughs> I, will never, I will never tell your mom. Thank you so much for having me and for making this space for people to be able to have people like me. Oh, Luna, thank you so much. I will chat again soon.